Hey, friends of On The Way Home. Michael Braithwaite here from Blue Door, another episode of the podcast On The Way Home. Thank you for joining us. And as always, we have a spectacular guest. Lots to talk about in the world of housing and homelessness right now. Uh, we have a federal budget that will drop towards the end of March. By the time you hear this, uh, it will be long ago dropped. And we're hoping for some exciting pieces around there. Our friends and partners in this podcast at the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness have been pushing hard for a housing benefit. Uh, hopefully, uh, the voices have been heard. They did a national push where people were able to send letters uh, to their local MPs, to their local newspapers. I've seen it's got a lot of coverage. They're pushing hard. They also have a piece right now saying where you can actually call uh, the Prime Minister's office, the PMO's office, uh, and, and push for it again. So great work as always and they've been so successful in many of their other campaigns both for housing and others so uh we can hope uh, we, we need drastic change we need income supports we know and i think in their white paper they talk about um i think 85 percent of people accessing emergency housing would not need to do so if they had this kind of a housing benefit if they have greater income supports so let's hope uh something happens in this budget in ontario um we just had a budget passed yesterday. They pledged, uh, I think it's 48 million more uh, for housing and homelessness. Um, so that's exciting news. Unfortunately, not news around income supports, which are desperately needed. Uh, our social assistance rates are below what they were in 1995. And you can imagine you're trying to live on 1995 uh, income supports in uh, 2023 when things have spiraled out of control, housing costs, groceries, gas, transportation, that kind of thing, et cetera. So, but lots to celebrate. We look at what's to celebrate, what's to work with them uh, on in the future, uh, how they want to build 150,000 homes in Ontario each year. And I think we'll probably come around 75,000 or 80. So we're short, uh, but we have to keep working together. Uh, some good news around the trades. Um, and that's good news for Blue Door. So Blue Door, the organization I'm a part of, and I'm fortunate to be a part of, we have a construction social enterprise called Construct uh, that really launches people into the trades. And if we're going to build the 3 million homes we need across Canada, or we're hoping to build by 2030, we need people to build them desperately. And that's what that program does. It launches them into the trades to build those homes. And hey, guess what? It also pulls them out of poverty because they make a living wage right off the bat that's only going to grow it's meaningful work. Uh, it's incredible stuff and really prevents them from ever experiencing homelessness or making that uh, experience very, very short. So lots to celebrate in these budgets. It's exciting times. And congratulations to all the hardworking people at CAH and CHRA and others who work so hard to push um, the needs for our most vulnerable across the nation it's so appreciated all the grassroots efforts happening across canada your voices are being heard so don't give up hope keep pushing hard it's awesome well let's get to today's guest today i have with me uh jackie and jackie is going to talk all about modular housing myself and a couple of colleagues went to um where they build jackie and the team are building modular housing it was fascinating to see this process is quickly growing i think a lot of us have heard about modular housing. We'll say, well, you know, is it going to be a modular builder? What does that really mean? What is modular housing? What are the benefits? Um, why is it? Why are we hearing so much about it right now? Uh, so Jackie's going to answer those questions and much, much more as we dive into it. So Jackie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. 
Awesome. Uh, listen, you come from uh, the, the modular world and you have a path and we're going to talk about that. But I have to ask you the question we ask everyone who comes on the podcast and that is, uh, what does home mean to you? Well, I guess, you know, with everybody, home is sort of where you're comfortable, where you feel accepted and safe and want to be. And sometimes that's, you know, in my house in Etobicoke. <laughs> and sometimes it's uh, uh, at, at my cottage, um, but it's usually around friends and family and, and where I feel safe and comfortable. Awesome. Yeah, that comfort means a lot, right? And, and most people will say that's where I'm uh, most comfortable is when I get home, um, get back to home. So thank you for that. Let's talk a little bit about your journey into this work. Um, how did you get to where you're at now? Well, it's a little bit of a long journey, but it's kind of circular. Um, so I uh, graduated from um, Ryerson, now the Metropolitan University, uh, with a design degree. And uh, while I was at school, um, my older brother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And um, during the time I was at school, I ended up doing my thesis, my final thesis on um, Pilot Place, which is a home for people with mental illness. So I was really kind of interested in housing um, at that time. Um, then I kind of went away from that and got a job in, in the interior design business and was doing all sorts of work for hospitals and um, commercial offices. And uh, then the um, 90s were not so good to the economy and I ended up going into sales worked in sales for many years, uh, selling flooring to contractors and specifically for a company called Interface that is very um, interested in sustainability. So I moved kind of into the sustainability world and did a lot of work uh, around building technologies and sustainability all at the same time. And then I got this opportunity to work for NRB and I just jumped at it because I thought it was Perfect. You know, it's the latter part of my career. I can bring a lot to it. And we're going to try our best to pump out as many houses as possible to to really push hard because we have to. We are really in a crisis. And let's talk more about NRB. We'll talk more about NRB, but let's talk about modular housing yeah. um, and in the simplest of terms. So when people hear about modular housing, sometimes they're incorrect. They'll say, well, this is what it is or modular because it's dirt cheap and it's the, and, and there's, there's, I think some truths in there, some not, uh, can you, uh, educate us on what is modular housing and, and why should we care? Yeah. So it, I have to say our industry has not done a really great job of sort of explaining what it is that we do and don't do. And it is a, um, you know, there's terms out there, offsite construction, modular construction, prefabrication. Then you have, you know, um, mass timber companies as well that are doing work. Um, and it is confusing. Um, I can only really speak to what we do, um, although there are panelized systems. Um, but what we do is full volumetric construction. So full volumetric modular construction means that we're literally building um, boxes or modules, um, and we are focused on MERBs or multi-unit residential buildings, um, so up to six stories. There are lots of companies out there that will do prefabricated homes, like one-offs, 
Um, that's not that's not what we do, but that's also considered modular construction. It's just different. <laughs> and I know I'm, I'm probably not making it easier because <laughs> it is a little bit um, fuzzy in our industry, but that's why I like to kind of clarify by saying that we are full volumetric modular builders um, versus a panelized system or some other form. Yeah, if, so I've, I've been to um, where you you do this and, and listeners, it, it is fascinating. So everything is put together and they start. And so when they ship off a unit, I mean, it's fully done inside, furniture included. So furniture included, everything in this. So when it, it comes to putting it together, maybe you can tell, talk a little bit about that process. You, you take these pieces and you bring them to the site and how does that all work? Yeah, so once the, the modules are complete and the mods are, are built to your specifications. So we do have some standards that we put in, like, you know, we have our standard suppliers for showers and wash toilets, etc. Um, you can change those out if you want. We can build specifically to spec. But once the 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 um, the unit is completely finished to your design, uh, then it is wrapped and put on a transport truck. Uh, sent down the highway and um, and then craned into place so that each individual truck pulls up in front of the site. Um, and then there is basically a crane that lifts each module off the truck and onto the foundation and and then they just keep going. So we, we usually can crane about five mods per day, depending on the site. Um, and then we just kind of, for lack of a better term, stack them and pack them so we literally put one mod next to the ne next to the next mod next to the next mod next to the next mod and then we go to the next level um and, and there you go now from at, at your end and i know it's a little different for each kind of because everything's a little different depending on the specs but really from start of hey we put in an order to the time it's on a truck going how long does it usually take you to build a module or you know, someone's saying, hey, we've got a 60 room kind of, how long would yeah. that process take? So for, for, for us, we tend, so we've done like 40 plus builds across Canada now. And most of them, to be honest, have been around the supportive housing market, um, primarily for uh, RHI or RHI's predecessor. So um, that's been our focus. We can... Um, we can finish a mod in about three weeks through the plant and we can pump out, uh, we have four plants across the country. So um, each plant can pump out a mod of two mods per day and each module contains two units typically. So if you're thinking about a, um, a studio apartment, you'd have two studios and the hallway as that one full mod. And it's usually around 12, foot wide and 66 foot long and we build in wood yeah it, i mean it's super cool one of the ones that i saw and, and i think you said this too when people think of modular too they think of lego and they think and yes you're craning and doing that but sometimes i mean the builds really the the, the um it's really unlimited unlimited in that you've done um builds with community centers you've done builds with sure. you say hallways that i saw i think i saw there's like half a hallway attached to one unit and half a hallway and then they bring them together and then the pipes meet and everything's kind of set to kind of just be brought together maybe i'm getting that wrong but it was yeah, all pretty of, cool all of, yeah yeah all of the um when you when you 
the hallway is where all the magic happens for us, for modular. Um, and it's basically because that's where all the connections are made in the building, right? So there's a lot of stuff that happens in the hallway. All the units are completely finished before they leave the plant. The hallway is the area that is unfinished and that's where we finish it on site. But yeah, for our supportive units, um, you know, the city of Toronto, we're on build number seven now, and those are all, um, got furniture in it, like, as you said, right? Because they, they've, re they've requested us to put in so that they, each, each unit gets a bed, obviously bed mattress. Um, they have all their appliances in there. They have a small table, two chairs, a lounge chair and a dresser. And so that is all um, within the unit. And then the common area downstairs has a full commercial kitchen and a dining space. Um, each unit does have a small kitchenette with, um, you know, a two, two burner induction unit. Um, but a lot of the people that we are servicing in these particular builds, um, you know, this may be their first time they've actually had a home in a very long time. So it's kind of a, a phased process, right? They have the ability to um, make their own food if they wish in their unit or there's a full service commercial kitchen downstairs. And the city of Toronto, then once we build these, they, they go out to tender for, um, for the operators. So we've had uh, Fred Victor Mission is getting one, um, uh, Wood, Wood Green Community Services has one, um, Homes First I think has one. So there's a number of different um, providers that then take over the facility once we're complete. The Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness has a brand new collection of cozy home clothing. We've collaborated with My Home Mercantile, a stylish Canadian small business, and designer Meg Davis to bring you Helping Home Apparel. By shopping, you're supporting a growing movement that is helping communities across the country prevent, reduce, and end homelessness. Visit MyHomeMercantile.com to order your new apparel and make a difference today. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project, or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. I have a bit of a bias with Fred Victor because that's where my uh, my wife will probably be uh, operating. We were in the plant. <laughs> literally, they were in the plant. I just I literally just got a, a message oh. saying that they they were walking through the plant because they are. Um, oh, she's there right now. Yeah, that's funny because she asked me for the toe uh, things for her safety boots this morning. That's pretty funny. <laughs> So yeah, she's uh, she she is there. So that's that's pretty. There cool. you go. Yeah, it, exciting. Now, why? Like, so it's, you have uh, your normal kind of for 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 the layperson who may not understand this, your normal build for years was just kind of stick, and then I mean there was all sorts of, you know, for 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 a period of time, people were talking about shipping container builds, which really was like environmentally good because you're reusing old shipping containers, but not cheaper, not faster, difficult and. Canada with, you know, our, our elements, but why modular? What are the benefits to it? Why are people doing this? Why 
especially when you mentioned uh, RHI, which is Rapid Housing Initiative, which says, hey, you got about a year to pull this off if you're going to apply for this funding. What are the benefits of Modular? Yeah, so you, you just nailed it, really. It's rapid, right? It's rapid housing. So it's fast. It's it's the number one reason why we do this is speed and quality. Um, you know, people do sometimes associate uh, the word modular with a lesser quality product, but it, it is not. Um, we have to uh, build for this to be able to be lifted and transported down the highway. So there is significant amount of infrastructure and um, in the build. So um, from that perspective, it's very, very solid. From that comes weird benefits like uh, sound is really good between units um, and because you've got double wall construction between each unit um, and floor to ceiling as well. Um, we also found for the city of Toronto, um, the durability is a really big issue for them. So uh, the way we build, we have two by fours and then we have OSB board on the inside of the unit and then we put on our vinyl wall board or our drywall. So it's very, very solid. Each box is actually like a, um, a structural element to the building. Um, so that's the strength of it and the quality. Um, sustainability is another big one too. We're just building a passive house build for City Housing Hamilton. So we can build to whatever our energy requirements you, you want, but just having the build in a controlled environment, um, you know, we talk about a massive reduction in waste to, you know, from about 30% to about 2%. So that's pretty significant as well. Um, yeah, there, there's a ton of different benefits, but I would say, um, you know, for those in the far north and places where trades have become a real uh, difficult, well, it's pretty much everywhere now, to be honest, um, but it was previously you couldn't find anywhere uh, in the far north to build. And so there was a lot of modular building being done in the far north because of that. Um, but yeah, we're seeing that push now pretty much in every metropolitan center and I was talking to ResCon not that long ago, and you know they're talking to the government, trying to push for apprentice programs, etc. Um, I mean, you guys know you're involved with it. It's 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 a tough tough run right now, trying to get labor, and the governments are promising all this <laughs> all this housing, and they're throwing a lot of money at it. But we got to find the people to build them too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and we won't go too far down there, but you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, that's why. I mean, we just. The, the Ontario budget just passed and they want 150,000 units will probably end up around 80,000, which is great, but not, uh, you know, because we don't have the people to build them. Right. Uh, and as you say, even in Northern Canada. Now I want to say, ask this to around modular is that what about price point? Cause it's not necessarily uh, that much more affordable. It's that much more quicker, but I would assume if it's half the time now you'd have some savings, but also I've heard, I mean, especially if you're, driving this really far, the transportation costs would factor in as well, right? Yeah, so there's there's different sort of parameters around it. And when somebody brings us a potential project, we look at all of those factors and kind of right off the bat determine whether or not it makes sense to even go modular. So a distance is something. Um, and then distance, sometimes it makes sense to go further if you're going north than if you were going, say, to Montreal or something. Um, we look at... Uh, um, 
just a whole parameter of, of, of things to make sure that it makes sense. But cost is something that um, I certainly don't shy away from talking about. It's something that I find interesting to discuss with pure developers, like market developers, because those guys understand the numbers better than, say, some of the municipal partners that we have, to be honest. Um, they're like the Walmart of, you know, they, they know every single dime and where it goes. So they know that a construction site is expensive. And to, to reduce that overall cycle in time is, is money. I don't like to talk about square foot pricing because if we, especially without a, a schedule sitting in front of us, because if we can shorten that whole construction timeline by 40%, what is that worth to you? And, um, you know, each one of our customers has a very different, um, I guess, goal in mind. So in some cases, it's return on investment for the rent. In some cases, it's it's really not. It's just to put um, heads in beds as quickly as possible due to, you know, it's winter coming. <laughs> and for me, I, 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 I mean, I know I'm biased, but I have no idea why any emergency housing, quote unquote, would be done any other way. It just does not make sense to me. There's lots of modular manufacturers out here now, and and we need to to push for that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I know that yourselves, uh, Ellis Don, others. There's one in. Uh, there's a few around where, where they're saying, "Hey, we're, we were able to do this. We build it all on site, uh, like yours." I mean, I don't know if they're actually like yours. Yours is pretty special, um, and, and that's what I've seen. But yeah, it's available. Why would you? We had uh, at Blue Door, uh, the region of York built uh, transitional housing, 18 units, and it was semi-modular. I don't know what that means. There's parts <laughs> of it is kind of modular, but and they did it in about a year and a half, which is really fast for a municipality to do this on their timelines. Probably You're probably saying, well, that's not really fast. But for them, they would say <laughs> it's hard for us from idea to built kind of thing, get this done. Uh, and it was, and it's, it's it's gorgeous, like it's nice. And I, as you said, I think too, people will. You can't, you could, but most of us wouldn't walk by a modular building. And be like, oh, that's modular. It, it it's beautiful housing. And even I can't. Even I can't. I mean, if and and weirdly, a lot of typical apartment style buildings these days actually kind of lend themselves to that modular look because they're putting like square boxes on the outside of the building to add color, et cetera. And they're not, they're stick built, but I look at them some days and go, yeah, I wonder if that's modular. Um, you, you really can't tell once a building is done, you, you wouldn't know. Um, obviously I know the ones that we've built, so <laughs> I know they're modules, yeah. but uh, otherwise you wouldn't necessarily. Well, let's talk about some of the ones you've built. What are the ones that maybe you can give us a couple of examples of um, ones that you're, you're extremely proud of and why, or that, that are pretty cool. Sure. Um, so we've done across the country. So we have four plants. So we have a, a plant in, in Kamloops, Calgary, Grimsby, and Cambridge. So we started actually building um, for BC housing, to be honest, and that, that we've done over 40 builds in, in BC and um, in Alberta. So there's, there's a, there's a ton of projects there. One of the ones we just are completing now is for Elizabeth Fry. Um, that's a really nice four-story build. Um, in Toronto, and I'm more familiar with the Ontario ones, uh, we're on build number, I think, seven now. We've completed and um, occupied three. So um, at 11 Macy, um, 540 Cedarvale, that's the one that Woodgreen is looking after now and has, that's for seniors, 55 plus. 
um, that are um, at risk. Um, we have one on Dunn, one on Dundalk, which is four stories with a full basement. Uh, we have Kingston Road coming up next. Um, yeah, there's a number of them. And, and right now we're just the plant is working on the passive house build for City Housing Hamilton. That's going to be craning in another couple of weeks. So that'll be fun to watch. And one that I really like that was a long, 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 long time coming <laughs> because of legal battles. It was out of not not to do with us, but with the townships um, is a, a supportive build in, in Beaverton where we have a community hub that is connected to a three-story um, a supportive housing build. And it's beautiful. It won an architectural award. Montgomery Size and Architects um, designed it. It's, uh, it's a beautiful build. Very, very cool. Yeah, and, I, and, and I've seen some of these builds. They're gorgeous. They're dignified. They're accessible. I mean, so people understand, too, usually when you're applying for uh, rapid housing or any government program, there's a number of, it has to be, uh, have a number of units that are accessible. It has to be you know, somewhat affordable, but this goes above and beyond. And if you could do passive house, which is such a great standard to have, I mean, you could really specify, do anything. What are you excited about? What's happening in the future? What projects are you thinking about or working on uh, that are excited? What do you think is the future for modular too? What like the different things that are new? And, yeah, uh, I think it's, I, to be honest, I think there's going to be um, a, a real push. So what makes a modular build is anything that's repetitive. That's what makes sense, right? So any, any kind of build where you are, um, having the same module over and over and over again. So that lends itself well to housing. NRB has been doing modular for over 40 years that was not in the housing sector, right? It was doing things like Tim Hortons and other um, static builds. Um, we'll continue to do those kinds of builds as well and community hub type projects. Um, I know that Toronto Community Housing was looking at potentially putting hubs down on individual um, uh, Toronto community housing spaces because years ago, uh, you know, we weren't building thinking that we needed to put supports in the building, which we've changed, which is really <laughs> smart. <laughs> but, um, you know, potentially there's some work there. Um, I think moving forward, though, we might see a lot of hybrid builds once we get into the more market driven housing. So, um, you know, truly attainable housing. Um, we'll start to see, you know, maybe a ground floor that's stick built and then everything above it is is modular. I, I think that that could be where the, you know, long-term goal is. Um, but that's for, for when you have like retail on the ground floor where it's, uh, you know, on Young Street or something and you're trying to build above. Um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of really good things happening. I think um, now that we know that we can build to a lot of the environmental standards and net zero, um, the sky's the limit. We can just keep on going. We just need uh, we need the support of, of, of the government and we need to educate um, everybody to understand that this is just another form of construction, but it's just a fast form. And we tend to, I like to use the, the word offsite construction because that's what it is. It's just a form of construction that makes it faster um, and, and, and we can really build much quicker. And that's what, what, that's what we need to do. We got a climate crisis and we have a housing crisis. And so to me, uh, modular really works well for both. And we just need to push, push, push. Well, you know what, this podcast is all about awareness, education, innovation. You've touched on all those, 
modular touches on, on, on that innovation piece. We need housing. We need it tomorrow, right? Today. Um, and, and modular does that. It's, it's speedy. It's beautiful. Um, and it's really growing for that exact reason. So that's amazing. If people want to check out, if they want to see some examples, they want to see what NRB does, uh, where can they go? Yeah, so our website is obviously the best place to go, and that's uh, www.nrbmodularsolutions.com. And you can see a variety of different builds there. There's a, I think there's one for affordable housing you can push on, and then all of the projects will pop up. Um, and then, yeah, if anybody wants to take a tour or is interested in, in uh, seeing some of our, our builds, they can reach out to me directly. And um, yeah, my, my email is a bit weird, but it's Jacqueline.Evans at Dextera.com uh, because uh, NRB is part of the Dextera group. Well, very, very cool. Yeah, I, I encourage people to reach out, take the tour, go online. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. I know we learned so much from our tour, um, myself and my colleagues, when we went down and learned what modular modular housing isn't uh, and, and saw what it was. I had no idea that you could even have the furniture involved. Like it truly is, boom, together, you're ready to go, which is uh, so, you know, when, when we're talking about timing, every little bit matters, right? Not having to go and get all the different furniture, it's there. It's yeah. very, very cool. Jackie, so thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for the work that you do and for uh, educating us. It's so appreciated. You're most welcome, Michael, anytime. Take care. All right. Listen, folks, this podcast is all about uh, innovation. It's about education. Um, it's about time we did something on modular because we've been talking about it for a while. I hope you learned something today uh, about what modular is and what it isn't. Um, and, and I encourage you to check out NRB's site, um, take the tour, talk with Jackie. I mean, NRB is one of the providers of modular. There's lots out there. I mentioned Ellis Don has a um, warehouse as well. And there's many others who, who are doing this. And they're doing it for a reason because the speed of this housing uh, to be built, if you're going to get that funding for rapid housing, a CMHC um, program, you need to do it within a year. Stick, stick build can be done. It's just a little trickier, right? This is quick, it's off site, it's environmentally friendly. Uh, they can build to your specs. There's a reason why the city of Toronto has done a lot of this, uh, why the reach of York just did a semi-modular build for us for Passage House for men's transitional housing. It's really, really cool. And where you don't have the tradespeople or you have fewer tradespeople uh, in the north where you can put this on a truck, ship it up there, put it together, uh, and get the housing that people desperately need done in a short amount of time. Very, very cool. Uh, awesome to have Jackie on to educate us and inspire us. I think so many of our guests are inspiring. Uh, I'm, I count myself as fortunate to, uh, you see, in the excitement to, to learn so much every week. I hope you did too. And we'll see you next time on the way home. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. 
and listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.